this morning, we're going to be finishing up this series on, um, on having our hearts synced with the Father. And what didn't start out to be a series kind of ended up being a series. <laughs> and probably like most of them, I gleaned more out of this probably than anybody. I gleaned more out of this in teaching it, in studying it. I, I wish I could have shared with you everything that I, I took in for this series. And, and I would dare say I probably shared 10%. But this is such an important topic. It's not even a topic. This is, this is the life's blood. This is the reason why we become child, children of God. This is the reason we get saved, is that intimacy with Him. Let me correct that. That's His reason. But is that really our reason? When we accept Jesus Christ, I know we accept Him for many, many different reasons. Mine was, I, I was afraid of hell. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a kid, I was nine years old, I, I heard a pastor preach about hell, and, and I just knew I didn't want to go. That was my reason for getting saved. It wasn't to be close to the God of the universe. It was literally to be far from the other one. <laughs> it was kind of the opposite for me. As I grew in him, as I learned through scripture who he was and who he is, the love part came for me, came over time. But many of us get saved for different reasons. How the Holy Spirit draws us to the Father is many different ways, many different things that we go through in life, right? We all right now in this room are going through something in our life that's a struggle. Guaranteed. And if you're not, then maybe you just woke up, you know, <laughs> not paying attention or something. Because everybody has something they're going through. We don't always ride that mountaintop. We don't always ride without trials. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how when you desire to become intimate with the Father, you're going to have trials come. You remember that? In Ephesians, we're talking about, he, said, he promised that. He said this road that you're going to step down in becoming intimate with the Father is going to be a difficult road. It's not going to be a road that is paved with easy pavers. Okay, these, are, these are pavers that you're going to have to really look at to be able to walk down, to trust him, to trust where your next step is. You know, I, I taught the Bible for 25 years before I really understood the level of intimacy that he wants with me in my life. Do you understand that this calling, this church, Ignition Church, has nothing to do with something that I wanted to do? Do you understand, even right now, it is not a culmination of some desire that he put in my heart. 
The beginning of this was a result of me wanting to be intimate with him. That was it. See, because when we become intimate with him, when we get to know him on a level that is so hard to describe, he just flows. He just flows through us. And that's what he wants from everybody. That's what he wants in this church right now. And, and to be honest with you, and I've, I've shared with this with you a couple times, um, <laughs> it's such an interesting road to me what, what he does to me in preparing me to speak. Um, I, I, I would dare say I'm probably not like most preachers. Um, <laughs> I hope, hope most are not like this. Because I'll spend much of the week not having a clue what he wants me to speak on. And I think he does that on purpose. Now, there are times when I have an idea, and then he gives me this joy and this excitement and this raring to go getting up in the pulpit. The last week was one of those times. I could not wait. I couldn't even sleep the night before. Because he had revealed to me what he wanted to say, and I, I just couldn't sleep. I was so excited. And, and that's been the case with this, with this series. Today was a little bit different. Today was different because I, I knew I was kind of finishing up this series. But, you know, this isn't something you just finish. You know, this, this hearts in sync with the Father isn't something that, well, we just finished that book, close it up, put it on the shelf. It, it isn't something that we're just done with. It also isn't something that we, we can explore fully. Why? Because it's a walk. It, it's something we continue to do every day. So, getting up this morning... You know, I just was praying, Lord, just fill my heart with you. Fill my heart with you because everybody in this place, everybody in this church, my family in this church, they need to see your heartbeat. They need to see what you need them to see. See, it's not for something that you're doing wrong. Not for something that you need to be doing and you're not doing. He just wants you to know how much he loves you. He really does. I don't think we understand our self-worth in Jesus Christ. I don't think we understand what he sees of us. You know, I, I mentioned Alexis and I were at, at this conference. And it was interesting because... I went there, I, I thought it was a prophetic conference, and I, I don't know if I got that wrong or if God just made me think that so I'd go or, or what. I, I have no, no clue. I go there thinking that's what it, and that's, it wasn't that at all. There was a, a, a preacher there, and he, he's really a theologian, I suppose. He, he's, uh, he's, he's doing some interpretation of the Word of God. He's, he's interpreted it into other languages. Um, uh, he's done, he did down in, I think it was the Amazon, somewhere down in the jungle down there, he, he interpreted the Bible for this, this tribe. 
and, and that's been his background. And he was teaching, because he's doing this interpretation called the Passion Interpretation, Passion Version of the Bible. And what he was teaching on was probably one of the books that I, I gotta tell you, I've probably read the least. And, and I've probably paid attention to the least. And that was the Song of Psalms. Or Song of Solomon is what I grew up knowing it as. I, I think it's Song of Songs, which is what it's actually called. And, and he's, he's teaching on this. He's teaching on how much God loves us. How much Jesus loves us. He gave me such a different vision of what that book was about. And how intimate our relationship with the Father is intended to be. Intended to be. See, it's not just coming and figuring out what's my next step. God, I got my life, but I, I just need to know that next step. I need to know what you want me to do in this next step. See, that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. He wants us to literally let him take our leg and make that next step. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be part of that decision of literal breath. What we do in our lives every day, the time we spend every day, every moment that we're doing things that we do, thinking, speaking, talking back and forth with him, that's intimacy. You know, the more I learn this, the more I study this, the more I understand Paul when he said, I pray constantly. Did that mean that Paul would drop to his knees and pray all the time? No. It meant that he talked to God constantly. He was just part of him. He just would talk to him about everything and anything. You know, eating lunch, God, this, this doesn't taste so good. <laughs> or, mate, Lord, this one's really good. You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever had a conversation with the Lord that, that wasn't about something you needed? Or about something that you wanted to know? Or about praying for somebody else? Have you ever just talked to him about stuff? Lord, I, it, this is just so cool. What, it, I'm doing this right now. This is so much fun. You include him. See, that's intimacy. Intimacy is time spent with each other. And, and the, the, more, the more I study this, the more I get this really intertwined in my life, the more I understand that when he says he wants to be our best friend, it's, it's not something that we can just kind of easily study, figure out, get the, get the verses down, meditate, close the book, put it on the shelf, and be done with it. I got that part figured out now. Okay, I'm intimate now with God. I'm done. No, it's, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing that he wants. And part of this intimacy then flows over to the body of Christ. And, and this is the main thing that I really wanted to bring out this morning because that intimacy, remember what he tells us, that in, in the two greatest commandments that sum up all of the law, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, 
with all thy strength, with every ounce of strength you have, love the Lord thy God. And then love your neighbor as yourself. We're to love each other. We're a family here, right? This is the Ignition family. We are this local body of Jesus Christ. We're a family. How much do we really know about each other? I mean, really. I said at the beginning that everyone in here is dealing with something. We've all got something going on in our lives that's difficult. That's a strain. That is beyond our capability of either understanding or coping with. But how much do we know about each other? How much do we engage with each other? You know, we've been talking a lot about what, what God is doing with Ignition and, and the prophecy he has for Ignition and you know, what he's going to do. Even Tuesday night, he gave a lot more vision about what he's doing here. And that's phenomenal. I don't want to belittle that in any way because what he's doing is, is extraordinary through people that just want to be used by him. But do you understand, if we're not a family, we miss the entire boat. If we don't know each other's problems, if we don't engage with each other in prayer and caring about each other, we miss the whole reason for what he's doing here. And and I got such a sense of that when I was up there during worship at this conference. See, because it wasn't about how good, like I said, the band was. It wasn't about how on, on cue and everything had the perfect transitions and, you know, smoke rising up and lighting coming down. And it was just, and I'm not, I'm not downing any of that. Praise God, hopefully we'll have the money to do all that. That'd be awesome. But it cannot replace, it cannot replace the whole reason for doing it in the first place. Do you understand that one thing I got was even worshiping Jesus Christ was not just about this one-on-one. It wasn't just about me worshiping him. He gave me such a picture of the children of Israel when I was there in worship. They were doing it together. They were worshiping together. It wasn't a whole bunch of individuals. It was a family. It was a group of people knitted together, loved one another, knew each other, interceded, prayed for each other. That's what Israel was. They lived together. Right? They were family. They died for one another. So when they worshipped together, they did that together. That was the picture that he gave me as I'm sitting up there at Life Center. And, and, I, and it, I, I wish you could, you could see what I saw and, and experience that. But, you know, you've got, you've got everybody. And this was a small venue. There were maybe, I don't know, 150, 200 people. And um, you've got this theater-style seating. We're in, the, in a small sanctuary, not their main one. And then you've got this staging area before the stage that's, you know, really wide, huge. Um, those of us who go to 
concerts call that mosh pit, right? If you go to creation. But uh, they have that area. Then they have the stage, and on the stage they, they have the, the band and everything else. Well, well this, this area down in front of the stage was just filled. It was just filled with people that would come out of their seats, go down there, and, and, and they're just dancing. They're just enjoying each other. They're just worshiping God. They're praising Him. And it was, it was crazy. It was off the hook. And it wasn't off the hook like, like the whole reason you're worshiping it, you know, you're just missing the whole thing. It was, you're dead on. You, you get it. You get it. You're celebrating in front of the throne of God because who are you celebrating? You're celebrating Him. But do you know what? You're also celebrating each other. Do you know I can celebrate what He does in you? You can celebrate what He does in me. As a family, we celebrate what He does in each other. But you can't do that if you don't know each other. You can't do that if your life consists of this is my church family, and I'm with them on Sundays, sometimes maybe a Tuesday. I might pray for them. They're, they're on my list. See, that's not engaged. That's, that's not really family. I mean, it's certainly not a picture of what a family is supposed to be. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to share in each other's victories. We're supposed to reach out when, when one is confused, another can come beside and shed light. When one is hurting, another can come beside and relieve pain or share the pain. So, so do we do that? Do we do that with each other? He calls us to do that. See, we've been talking so much about what God is doing in ignition I think it's getting past us to understand that he does it in the people. He he doesn't just do it in the group. He doesn't just do it in the name, Ignition, or or this this thing that when we get the building, all of a sudden the building's just going to start glowing and it's all going to happen through this building. No, it happens right here. It happens with us. It happens with you and with me. And the relationship that we have Together, with each other. That's the power in this. Do you understand that is also what takes power away from the enemy? Because we, we fight a real enemy. Ephesians 6. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Right? We, we fight against rulers of darkness. Okay? We don't just fight against things that we see. We fight against this ruler of the world. So in doing that, if you don't do that by standing up for each other, how do you do that? See, because he can fight. And he knows us. And he knows our weaknesses. He knows things about us that we don't want to expose to each other. Right? He knows that. And, and when he knows those things, he knows the buttons to push. But see, in 1 Corinthians 13, God said, 
love covers all of that. So when we come together as a family and we love each other, we really engage in one, with one another, we really are involved in each other's lives, that's love. And when we share love together, love covers all of that. It protects us from his darts. And don't let him ever confuse you into thinking that ignition is not about you. Don't let him ever confuse you into thinking that ignition is some mechanism moving forward that you're just kind of there to hold on to. I want you to read something. Um, Let's see. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I believe it is. 1 Corinthians 12. And what God is talking about, let's see, what verse is it here? Yeah, yeah, verse, uh, we're going to start with verse 12. And um, this is talking about the body of Christ. We're one body with many members. But I, I want to quantify this a little bit. Okay, you can think on this on a couple levels, right? You could think on this on the entire body of Christ. Which, which is true, and, and you apply it that way. But this morning, I want you to think of it on the local body of Christ, us, Ignition, right here, right here in this room, and all the people that, that call their home Ignition. We're all one body. Verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. All were made to drink of one spirit, that same spirit, the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot, and he's, he's starting to give an example of our actual body, comparing that to the body of Christ. Verse 15, for if the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. That'd be kind of ridiculous when you put it that way, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Do you know he chose your talents? He chose your abilities. He made you specifically the way you are to fit in to this body. Not just the overall body of Christ, but if you are here in ignition, you were meant to fit into that perfect place in ignition. That peace that could not move, function, without you. That was his intention with you. You have unique talents and a unique gifting that fits into this local body. Where was I? 
19. Verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The, the eye cannot say to the hand, I, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. <laughs> Do you get that? The parts of the body that are seem to be weaker are indispensable. They cannot be done without. If you're thinking that you're here and you don't have a place in ignition, you don't have a reason for engaging, you're incorrect. The Bible just said that. Because every member of the body has a purpose. Every member, I don't care your background, I don't care your intelligence, I don't care your age, I don't care any of that. The Bible doesn't care about any of that. See, because God has this awesome thing that he does in relationship. He takes this slate and he wipes it clean every morning. And we have a new opportunity every day to fall closer in contact with him. To be intimate with him. We have that opportunity every day. But do you understand we have that same opportunity together? We have that same opportunity in what we have been given in our lives, our talents, and, and man, it's so much more than our talents. Please don't judge, and I, I think this is part of where, where the problem is. We look at what we can give a ministry based on, well, what I'm good at. Okay, God, well, what are my talents? What are my giftings? You know, I, 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 can, I could sing, so that must mean that I can, you know, give you the worship on the praise team. And then you go and try out and realize it's more like an American Idol thing and you really can't sing. And, okay, maybe that wasn't your gifting. And then you get frustrated and, well, there's really nothing I can do for the body of Christ, you know. So I'm just a watcher. I'm just somebody who is going to watch receive for what I can receive, because God, I know you have something for me here, but there's really not much I can do, because the talent that, that I, I think you gave me, or I know you gave me, you know, I really can't use it in that way. Or, or how about this? I mean, we're, we're, in, we're in a living room, <laughs> okay? We, we don't have multiple, multiple ministries. So it's hard to come into a new ministry, a new startup ministry, and find something physical to do. There aren't enough jobs to go around for, for us all to be doing stuff. We don't have enough ministries. So does that mean that we all just, well, we'll, we'll just kind of hang out and, and, you know, at some point we're going to have something. God, I know you'll open doors for me. I know, I know you'll have something for me to do. See, we're missing the boat if we're doing that. If you think that your engagement has to do with your talents, you're wrong. Again, that's putting the cart before the horse. It's when you are intimate with the Father, when you are seeking Him and you have this tight relationship, He begins using you in the local body. All of a sudden, you, you get you get kind of connected with somebody that is going through something that, hey, wow, I, I've, I've been through that. I went through that. I understand. I, I, can, I can give some guidance on this. 
or we can have coffee, talk about this, and, and perhaps God can use me to, to shed some revelation in this. Why? Because I love you. See, that's what God does. That's what he does in the body of Christ. We become those irons that sharpen iron, like the Bible says. We're to engage together, right? How, how does iron really sharpen iron? Have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody sharpen a knife, right? They, they move them together, and, and basically both things lose a little bit. For that knife to get sharper, it loses the rough edges. You know, that sharpener even loses some. So to sharpen, both sides lose a little bit of what they are. Just like us, in engaging with somebody else, you, excuse me, you have to be willing to lose a little bit of yourself. You have to be willing to lose perhaps a little bit of your pride. Perhaps a little bit of your fear, and that probably hits more of us than any of them. I have to choose to lose a little bit of my fear to make myself a little bit vulnerable to be able to engage in this relationship. Why? Because I'm a member of the body. And, and if I am not acting like the member that I am supposed to be, then it's going to hurt the body. Do you know there's not a person here that if you choose not to engage, that this body as we see it is not hurt, is not affected? Sure, from, from the outside we could say, well, yeah, this person doesn't really matter because they're not really doing a ministry or they're not really doing that or not really doing this. Okay, but do you understand? God looks at it from the spiritual God looks at it from the point of view that every heart is critical to the body. Every member is critical to the body. And what that person does, the potential that person has in relationship, in service, in ministry, in closeness to him, it's critical. So why don't we engage with each other? I forgot where I was again. 23, thank you. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great honor, greater honor. And our, and, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. And I want you to pay attention to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Do you get what he's saying here? He told us, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. But then love your neighbor as yourself. See, we get that we're supposed to love him. We get that we're supposed to have our hearts in sync with his. We get that. Because that's something we can, we can pursue. 
Because we, we can certainly trust him. We don't have to put anything out there, you know, with him. We, we can fully trust him. But he says the same thing about each other. Love each other like you love yourselves. In fact, love each other more than you love yourselves. Just as Christ gave himself for the church. Says greater, no greater thing can a friend do than give his life for his friend. That's what Christ did for us, but do you understand that that's how we're supposed to look at relationships? That my relationships are more important than me. Who I care about, the other members of the body, are more important than me in loving God. And I want, I want that to, to resonate. I want that to make sense. Because I'm not saying you love each other more than you love God. That's not the point. I'm saying love is supposed to abound. Love is love. <coughs> whether the love is for the Father, whether the love is for, for another member of the body of Christ, love is love. Love is not different levels of love. Well, I give God my main love, and then I, I keep some other love right over here that I kind of reserve for my friends and the body of Christ. <laughs> no, love is love. See, love is looking at it that the other is more important than yourself. And I don't mean be all self-sacrificing and all that kind of stuff either. That's, that's not the point. The point, if, if, the point is, if you love somebody, you're going to engage with them. If you love a family, a body like what we have here, you're going to engage with it. You're going to get to know people. You're going to let them get to know you. It's going to make a difference in your life because you are a member of this body. And you're a member no matter what you do, no matter what you think you can do. You're a member that is critical to the proper function of this body. We just read that. Well, see, God wants us to work together, no matter what. And it doesn't matter whether you're up here preaching or if you're down there thinking, I have nothing. And I, I want to read an email. I'm not going to say who it's from because I didn't get permission. <laughs> and, and so I took out the names to... Uh, Avoid me not being innocent. <laughs> but I want, you to re- I want you to listen to an email that I got this week. And, and this email was so special to me. Because not only is this email about what I'm talking about here, but this email, I think, will probably resonate with so many people here. Hi there, I just had a great long talk with God about a whole bunch of stuff. I've been asking him to reveal himself to me for a while now. I can't say that I have been frustrated exactly, but something in that neighborhood. I am seeking him so earnestly and want to see what so many of you have seen so desperately. I do not want to be pruned away. Neither do I want to sit on the sidelines as a spectator, although I am a very loud and enthusiastic cheerleader. 
Anyway, in my secret place today, I was begging him to show me what my role looks like. What is it that he has for me to do? I am not a prophet or an evangelist. At least I don't think I am. I don't have a gazillion dollars to contribute, although I might buy a Powerball ticket. (laughs) I have some crazy dreams, but I don't think God is using my dreams to speak to anyone. I've never been given a vision like you and the Lexus have described. It's just me. I love my Jesus, and I want to walk and talk and revel in his glory all the time. I want to serve him, and I want him to use me in a big way. So as I'm telling God all of this, I had a vision. Not a vision of a tower, or of a mighty warrior angel, or even a beautiful paved parking lot. It was a vision of a cog, a sprocket, a doohickey. God is so very cool. He revealed to me, goodness, it feels strange to even think that the God of wonders would bother to reveal anything to just me. That this amazing thing he is doing is going to need lots of cogs, several sprockets, and even a doohickey or two. Not only that, but the cogs, sprockets, and doohickeys are just as vital as every other role, job, or task, etc. The fanciest lever won't turn on the machine if the cog don't turn, if the cogs don't turn. So anyway, I'm sharing all of that to say that I am excited to be a cog for Jesus. Even even more super seriously excited that God revealed this beautiful nugget of information to just me. Thanks for listening. P.S. I may start a group. We may get t-shirts and have meetings and everything. Cogs for Jesus. I love that. I love that. Because, see, that's a person who was struggling with their identity in the body of Christ, in this local body, not sure what their purpose was, not sure that God would even want to use them. (coughs) Why? Because, well, man alive, you've given all of this unbelievable vision and prophecy. How could I even fit into that? I wouldn't even know how to fit into that. That was the beauty of this email. Because God revealed to this person how important their role was. Now, you notice there, he didn't even reveal this person's role. He didn't even say, here's what you're going to do. Now, he may have, but not in the email. Didn't reveal it in the email. But what he, what he revealed was, your part will be important. Not only that, your part will be critical. Do you know the most critical thing we do is prayer? I don't know anyone who cannot pray. I don't know anyone who is not capable of intercessory prayer. And, and you know, the Lord really impressed on my heart this week 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to share a vision with you. So, so this isn't another grandiose whatever thing. But you've heard me talk about this tower that, that he wants to build. And, and he did Tuesday night. I shared that he gave, me, he gave me a lot of clarity on that. But the thing I want to tell you this morning is what its purpose is. Its purpose is prayer. Its purpose is engaging in the warfare that is coming against ignition, that is coming against those thousands of people out there in the neighborhoods that don't know him yet, but are going to. See, there's warfare against that. If we don't engage in that warfare, we're never going to get to that point. If we don't engage in praying for those people and praying for each other and praying for the Holy Spirit to just overwhelm this place, we're never going to get to that place. See, that's where everybody's engaged. Do you know how critical that is? But yet, how much do we really pray for each other? You know, I, I told you before, I believe our, our greatest root in ignition is prayer. That Tuesday night prayer service, I believe over time will be the biggest service we have. Much bigger than a Sunday morning. Because prayer is engaging in the very warfare that God wants us to be a part of. That's why we're here. That's why when we got saved, he didn't just take us. He wants us to engage here now with what's going on. Do you know if you were just saved and you know nothing about the word of God, you can engage. You can engage in this warfare. You can engage in what God is doing. See, prayer is not something that you have to be a theologian for. Prayer is not something, and, and especially intercessor, intercessory for someone else. When you're praying for someone else, that's not something that you have to have a degree to be able to do. Man, if you just got saved, you can pray for somebody who's hurting. You know, we talked about it before. Everybody in here is going through, through something difficult. So how much do we pray for each other? How much do we engage with each other and say, hey, can I pray for you? Or, hey, let's pray together. Grab somebody's hand. I don't know you real well. I want to get to know you. Let's pray together. I and mean, when I started the college ministry a couple of years ago, um, and, and you can ask any of them that were a part of that back then, what did we do that really engaged us together? Prayer. We'd spend an hour, hour and a half every Thursday night praying together. We'd break up into small groups. For what purpose? To pray together. Not to talk. To pray together. I've, I've, I've counseled so many couples that if you want to grow in, in, in real close bonds together, pray together. Pray for each other. You get to know people through prayer. Why? Because most people are not going to go before God and pray and be fake. They're going to be who they are. 
They're going to go before him and pray, and you're going to see who they are. So, so as a body of Christ here, we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying with one another, interceding with one another, loving one another. Because that's how he makes a difference. Jesus Christ flows through love. That's why we're to love him. That's why we're to love each other. Why? Because he flows through that. The Holy Spirit literally, like a river, flows through love. Where, where love gates are opened, he flows right through. And he will permeate every little spot. That low, every little door, every little nook and cranny that love opens up, he'll come in and he'll just permeate the whole thing. That's why we love. If you love, you engage. You spend time with. See, that's what God does in building an army. It's not a mercenary army. You're not getting paid. (laughs) Right? He is building an army through love. You really want to... And I get a kick out of this, and i got to be careful not to let it frustrate me. But you go on Facebook, and you see all the time about, you know, Muslims, this, radicalized this, and everything else. And many of those things are true. I think Islam and the study of Islam is of Satan. There's no doubt. It is. It is the opposite of Jesus Christ. Okay? It is not about being tolerant for something that is being taught because if your best friend were being lured by Satan himself, would you not care about that? Yeah. I care deeply about that. However, it's not about going and telling them how wrong they are. It's not about going and being intolerant of them or tolerant of them. It is loving them. You want to break, you know, that that culture? You want to break their thought process? What do you combat hate with? With love. If you think I'm wrong, then you're not you're not trusting the Bible, because that's exactly what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 13, read it yourself. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers everything. Love permeates. Why? Because Satan doesn't understand love. That's the one thing he does not know. He cannot grasp. Because it has no part in him. He hates So for a Christian to love, if you have a a Muslim friend, even a radicalized Muslim friend, you want to confuse the heck out of them? Love them. (laughs) That will confuse the heck out of them. How do you think God is calling us to these places like Nigeria, like the United Arab Emirates, like Russia, like Europe, all these places literally surrounding 
of the world's radicalized Muslims. Why do you think that is? It's not for us to take war to them. It's not for us to go and condemn them. It's for us to love them. To show them literally the love of Jesus Christ that changes lives. Do you know that Muslims are being converted, becoming saved in droves right now? Overseas, in Iran, in Iraq, in northern Nigeria. In droves. Simply because they're shown love. They're shown something that their, their own God does not give, does not promise, does not even show them. Do you understand what you have in Jesus Christ? When you have love, do you understand the weaponry that you have? I mean, to, to turn to somebody who has wronged you or hated you and say, I love you. Oh my goodness. That's a weapon. And that comes from a strong family. You know, if you grew up in a strong family environment, you know how important that becomes. If you didn't grow up in a strong family environment, perhaps a broken home, you know how much you miss by not having it. It's no different with the body of Christ. It's no different with us here right now with Ignition. We strengthen each other by having a healthy family environment. An environment where we love each other. Where we don't hide from each other. But we love each other. We support each other. If somebody said something bad about you guys, I would come to your defense. As a matter of fact, I'd go after them. With love, but still. I'd go after them. Why? Because you're my family. See, we need to do that for each other. Why? Because that's love. It's what the Bible says to do. Because that's what brings us in intimacy to the Father. That's what makes our heartbeats beat like His. And let's take it one further. He wants our heartbeat to match his heartbeat. But do you understand that as a body in Christ, he wants our heartbeats to match each other's? With single purpose. With single focus. With what Jesus Christ wants to do right here. And it's the very beginning of a revival that's going to come to this city. Do you know there are souls just waiting, crying out and waiting for God to use this family right here to love them? Just waiting. So the more we engage together, the more we trust each other, the more we grab each other's hands 
and walk forward learning truth, learning the lies of the enemy, the stronger we're going to be for those neighborhoods. And they're going to come to know Christ in droves. That's how you get a big family. <laughs> by, by bringing more members into the family. But do you know what? If we don't learn how to love each other now, how in the world are we going to learn to love each other when we're big? We won't. No member of the family is unusable by God. No member of the family is insignificant to God. And you know what? No member of the family is insignificant to us. Everybody here has purpose. Everybody here has power. Everybody here has the capability of love. So we need to intercede for each other. We need to get to know one another. And we need to let him flow through us like he wants to flow with us. That intimacy, that heartbeat in sync with his, he wants to get our heart, heartbeats in sync with each other as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer.